smartcast you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast welcome to this episode of kicks for free in which we discuss all things football i'm bhargav sharma and with me is timan sarkar messi There were two major continental finals in Europe uh, and South America this past weekend. Uh, we saw Italy beating England in penalties uh, in the uh, European Championship final at Wembley uh, to lift their first uh, European Championship title in 53 years. And Argentina uh, ended their Copa America draw. They hadn't won the title in 28 years. And for Lionel Messi, this was his first uh, major title with Argentina. Uh, he had won the Olympics, of course, but uh, he hadn't won uh, either uh, of the Copa America or the World Cup. So it, it was a great weekend of football. Uh, and today we are here to talk about both the, these finals. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Messi and Copa in a bit. But Diman, uh, what a final uh, in Europe. I mean, both of us did predict Italy to win, but uh, I think the way england started uh, probably i mean even italy uh, fans probably didn't expect their team to break down england uh, in the way that england were holding out uh, but eventually i think uh, italy's quality did shine through and uh, i think they reacted very well to going down uh, and probably england were a bit too conservative uh, throughout the game uh, and didn't really take the initiative after taking the lead uh, what did you make of the final demand I think yeah I mean you summed it up quite well um, I I think England uh, like in the 2016 Euro final where I thought that France were stunned that Ronaldo was no longer on the pitch and they their game kind of deteriorated thereafter when they should have really been taking control of the final especially after Cristiano Ronaldo is is injured and substituted similarly I think here having scored that early England tried to sit back like you said yeah. and which was unfortunate because they really did have a number of skillful players even in the team that southgate set out mm. you know, for the final and i'm not talking about the bench that the quality from the bench that he has so if they had tried to play their normal game mm. uh, instead of you know just trying to shut italy out and they scored in the second minute so trying yeah. to sit thereafter possibly showed their lack of experience at playing such games i mean it's all right to win uh, champions league trophies as individuals but as a team the lack of experience in such games especially when you take an early lead mm. showed and i think they allowed italy to come into the game and by the time southgate was ringing in, in his changes like he usually does mm. italy had taken a firm hold of the game and 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 just just they were not letting england come back in mm. uh, anyway i think that kind of change had it not been such an early goal 
the mm. game would have been a little more even and mm. maybe england would have been able to play to whatever plan they had set out with i really think that this could not have been the plan and mm. i think sometimes these things happen i remember i remember this conversation with sunil chetri sometime back mm. you know uh, when when india were playing bahrain in the 2019 asian cup and they needed a draw yeah and until the last minute i think when pranoy conceded that penalty they were holding out and later sunil said you know sometimes that inertia of motion or whatever it gets to you even if you want to get out of that uh, defensive shell sometimes you find it very difficult to do that mm. and i think that is something that affected england mm. they they wanted to get out but by then a italy was taking control mm. and b because italy had taken control i don't think they could find an alternative way to sort of get out having said all that even late in the game there was a donnarumma was forced into a save so everything could have really changed had that gone in or whatever you know they were they were up the game was still draw then mm. so it's it was a match of fine margins but mm. you know at the risk of repeating myself i think england would have done better mm. instead of trying to sit deep from mm. that early in the game yeah absolutely i agree with you and i think uh, i mean in hindsight it uh, looks like a blessing in disguise for italy to have considered that early because uh, i mm. mean England went with the mindset of uh, shutting out uh, the Italian attack rather than being proactive and i mean in a way it was kind of similar to the way they lost the 2018 world cup semi final and i mean yeah they scored by the fifth minute yes it started off very well and then then kind of they started uh, i mean uh, in that game they still were creating chances in the first 25 30 minutes but after that they started sitting back uh, and they were pretty comfortable till the time Perisic scored that equalizer and after that they mm. were just tired they, they just couldn't match uh, Croatia and i think in this final again we saw england being way too reactive i mean we do expect teams to be uh, you know cautious in finals but i think when it's 1-1 okay i mean you are trying to hold down to a 1-0 lead that's fine but when it's 1-1 and you are heading into extra time and i mean you bring on Marcus Rashford and Jadon Sancho in what uh, I think 119th minute or something 119th yes. minute I mean they are not going to I mean change the game mm-hmm. from there I mean, you were just bringing no, on they were I think brought out just for the penalty penalty yeah, exactly yeah. exactly and I mean you have players of so much quality and I think it makes sense uh, you know to go for a win when it's 1-1 uh, say at half time of extra time and with 15 minutes mm-hmm. to go I, I don't mm-hmm. think I mean there was mm-hmm. any uh, you know drawback to going for it uh, or making a couple of attacking changes and i mean they weren't proactive at the time uh, and they let italy you know be very comfortable on the ball uh, not just in extra time but throughout the game uh, and i think against italy you don't want uh, the match to go into uh, penalties have, they've got so many uh, experienced players uh, i mean players who have even uh, had the experience of winning a shootout in just the previous game uh, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a team that has played very well and uh, i think they are in a great state of mind uh, of course in england have been doing well uh, in this tournament but i mean italy haven't experienced a defeat uh, since what september or october 2018 and they are on a, on yeah. this great run and you really don't want uh, to uh, you know take this team into a shootout especially when you know that you have so many players who can change games so i think yeah especially you know that is the point you know if you why don't you play to your strength 
instead of trying to trying to see react to what your opponent's game is i think it was it was in the first 30 minutes england mm. were in control italy looked rattled they didn't take yeah. that early goal and mm. england were in control they were stroking the ball around comfortably in the midfield mm. i think things changed at when 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 mancini made the double substitution of cristante and berardi that helped italy take charge of the midfield and that is where the momentum really shifted now in the way southgate substitutions did not really impact the game in that manner yeah. in the way it was because of cristante that the corner was conceded it was because of cristante that the ball that the goal was scored because the ball pinged off him and then bonucci stabbed on of, of him and verati and then bonucci stabbed off so he was a substitute who who made a lot of difference in this uh, game and and i think he allowed six substitutions if the game goes to extra time so it is essentially the mm. entire bench that wins you the game now england had exactly the kind of bench that would win you game mm. but on that night i think on that night it was the italy team substitutions that had more impact on the game and mm. by the time southgate was bringing these changes italy had taken too firm a grip on the game to let it slip Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and the way Mancini made these changes, I think just around five, six minutes into the second half, as you said, Cristante and Berardi, two very crucial mm. substitutions. And mm. he made those changes just uh, six, seven minutes into the second half. And uh, yes. even when the extra time uh, came, I mean, extra time started. Yeah, yeah. He, he, it could be a long evening, yeah. yes. He put on both uh, Bellotti and uh, Locatelli almost immediately because mm. he wanted to change things. Uh, he wanted mm. to, you know, try and go for that second goal, even though they didn't really create too many chances. But I think that no. is... No. That is the thing. Uh, I mean, that was the approach that was lacking uh, from England. I mean, uh, you look at their second half substitutions. Uh, Henderson came on. Uh, I, I think uh, Saka came on. Yes. Uh, so I mean, uh, those two changes we saw. Uh, I don't. I can't recall any other substitution in the second half. And I mean, they again. Those players came in around half an hour into the second half. And yeah, I think Henderson was brought on primarily because Cristante was. Helping Italy boss the midfield, and they yeah. needed the Southgate needed something to something had to be done there, and hence Henderson. So, Absolutely. so it was not really a change to sort of take the game to Italy. It was more to sort of ensure that they yeah could stay in the game. Mm-hmm. Saka, yes, Saka obviously is an attacking player, and was brought on to try and influence the game. I think you know the 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 point is that Mancini knew it would be a long night, yet he went on with two substitutions, something around the fifty fifty first minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so uh, that is a coach with a more proactive approach, mm-hmm. rather than Southgate, who was, I think, I think the way it worked for Southgate was that he was successful doing things in a certain way. So you can't really blame him. And why would mm-hmm. you change that? If doing it that way has got your team to the final, and they too have been unbeaten, they were unbeaten into some in some thirteen games going into the in, in, into the final. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not as big a deal as thirty-four games, thirty-three games going into the final unbeaten. But mm-hmm. so, I think it's it, it's all right for us to sit and analyze this. But mm-hmm. I also think that you know, at that point in time, would you would you mm-hmm. blame Southgate for doing it uh, any different? It has been working for him all this while. Mm-hmm. In the semi-final, he took out Grealish and got Trippier in. The game was sealed. He would have been mm-hmm. roasted had that gone any <laughs> other way. So, so that happened. In on the balance of play, penalties are. Always cruel, but on the balance of play, I think Italy deserved to win the game. 
Yeah, yeah, they did. And I mean, as you said, it was a bit of a tricky situation for Southgate. I mean, at 1-0, 60 minutes into the game, I still understand. I mean, you can understand his thought process. I mean, you are 1-0 ahead. Let's be mm. a bit careful and let's just try and hold on to our lead. Uh, mm-hmm. What I think many people would criticize him for is, I mean, uh, the way he didn't really try and change things going into extra time. Okay, he did bring on Jack Grealish, uh, but maybe, you know, he could have brought on a ball-playing uh, midfielder like him in the second half, uh, would say, give him 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was a bit surprising because he just, he seemed very content with, you know, the match going into extra time when the score was 1-1. So, that is one thing. And I think more importantly, I mean, uh, what really surprised me was, uh, and not just me, uh, there's a lot of talk on social media about this uh, as well. I mean, giving the fifth and most decisive penalty in the shootout uh, to a 19-year-old kid. Uh, I mean, Bukayo Saka. Yeah, I know. Well, but yeah. I know. Hmm. I know he's 19, but he's also been, he's part of Arsenal. He's, he's got into the first team on merit. So, Hmm. I mean, how important is this 19-year-old thing? I mean, had he scored, you you wouldn't have that called is, him a 19-year-old. Uh, and I, it, 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 you know, he he has been playing for Arsenal. He's played in the Premier League. He's played in the continent and the Europa League. Hmm. He's played England games in this competition. Hmm. So, somebody had to take the shot. It is I, I don't know how it works, but... If if Saka was given the chance, I am sure it is because Saka has done enough in the in the in the practice uh, sessions for Southgate to trust him. And and yeah. if you are good enough to play in a European Championship final, even though you are nineteen, you are good enough to take a shot in that final. Uh, Absolutely, uh, I mean that, that's what Southgate said in uh, I mean in his post match uh, press conference as well. I mean uh, the penalty, the order of penalties was uh, decided on the basis of how. Uh, they performed in on the training ground and Saka had done it well. Always, it usually is. I'm yeah. sure a random, unless Saka, unless somebody who's done well puts his hand up and says, uh, I don't want to take the penalty. Mm-hmm. It is usually an order. I mean, I'm sure the, the list of penalty takers were in Southgate's mind mm-hmm. uh, well before he actually came up with the list. And that explains why he got Rashford and Sancho in as late in the mm-hmm. game. Because mm-hmm. he knew that they, those two would be his penalty takers. Absolutely. Uh, what the only thing about this was, I mean, we have seen Harry Kane take pressure penalties. I mean, late in the games, mm. uh, we've seen Ra- Rashford score. Uh, when Rashford scored that penalty against PSG, he was still a young kid. Uh, but yes. the only yes. difference is, I mean, of course, I I don't doubt Saka's abilities. Fantastic footballer, and I'm sure he's good at taking penalties. But I mean, for a player who has been, I mean, two full seasons with Arsenal, he hasn't really had the chance of. You know, taking too many penalties in such pressure situations. So, I mean, how does it deal psychologically with missing a penalty at this stage? Uh, I mean, no, that we'll have to. That that is something that. Uh, and 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 this is a bit of a new situation for him. I mean, he has never been in a situation like this. So maybe, of course, he can take a penalty, but does he? Should he be taking the fifth penalty? Uh, I mean, which he can't afford to miss. So that is something that uh, I'm sure many people will criticize uh, Southgate for. Uh, but I mean, again, uh, it, we have to give credit to Italy as well. I mean, the way they uh, played this tournament, uh, managed the games against uh, strong opponents very well. Uh, we saw how they played uh, that game against Belgium. I mean, shut out at 
uh, right. strong, right. formidable Belgian attack. Uh, and even against England, I mean, they reacted very well in the second half. At one point, it seemed like, uh, and even in the first half, when things were not happening, uh, I mean, we saw how Kiesa was creating chances. Oh, yes. Nowhere and, he would have been the man of the match had he not stepped out injured, I think. I mean, it yeah. went to Bonucci. That really, I think, gave uh, a lot of confidence to Italy. I mean, at a point when... Yes. Especially in yes. the first half, they were not playing very well. They were not controlling the game. They knew that, okay, we have... I mean, even if we're not playing well, we can create chances out of absolutely nowhere. So, uh, I think absolutely have to agree. And as you said, Mancini uh, was absolutely spot on with his uh, substitutions. And it really says a lot that they have been uh, unbeaten for so many games. 34 games. Yeah, yeah. You are not... I mean, 34 games unbeaten, it can't be without a reason. It shows that they've dealt with different situations and they've managed to find a solution in those different situations. In the way England possibly not being exposed to different situations could not mm. find a solution. Yeah. Now, it could be because of lack of experience. It could be because of a number of factors. But I think you know now Italy can equal the world record of mm. uh, maximum games unbeaten, which is 35. And they can do that in September. I think they play a World Cup qualifier, I think, yeah. in Bulgaria. First if that happens, then they equal Brazil and Spain uh, as the teams with the maximum number of unbeaten games. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really bodes well for them ahead of next year's World Cup. I mean, uh, with I think it bodes ahead well for both teams. I mean, I both think yeah, have absolutely. a lot of lot of positives to take from this competition. A making the final. B I think I think like you said, I mean, you were there in Russia. Uh, the the game against Croatia, England. Uh, Collapsed They collapsed mentally. The back three situation, they didn't know of another way to play. Now, from mm-hmm. there, we have got an England team which now seamlessly switches from back three to back four. Yeah. And it, it, it's no change in their effectiveness. So, obviously, there's been an improvement in the way England have uh, played and an improvement that you would hope is taken forward 18 months from now when the World Cup happens. And so, so I think both England and Italy would look forward to the World Cup based on their performance in the Euros. And I think the other team that will look forward to the World Cup possibly is Argentina, given mm. the kind of confidence that they've got now that the monkey is off their back. Absolutely. I mean, the, the final wasn't uh, really the most entertaining one. Uh, I mean, not many chances for either side. But and very physical. Very, very physical. physical. Uh, very physical. I mean, there is this uh, very stereotypical view about South American football. We want I mean, we're going to see lots of chances, uh, uh, lots of action, very chaotic uh, tactically. But I mean, of course, we're seeing the game evolve a lot. And there's also a bit of a European influence now because most of... Ah, massive European influence because most everybody plays in Europe anyway. Yes, most of them are playing in Europe. So uh, it was very physical, as you said, and not many chances for either side. Of course, uh, Argentina took that lead and... Uh, in, in, I think, 22nd or something around that uh, minute. And after that, they didn't really create many chances. And Brazil had a couple of chances. But, uh, I mean, it was a, a very uh, close, very, uh, uh, I mean, closely fought game. Uh, I think Brazil had they scored early in that, uh, with that second half chance. Uh, I think game could have turned out a bit differently. But after that, after barring those two chances, I think Argentina adapted very well. Uh, to Brazil's yes. setup. So, I think yes. uh, very good game and Messi, I think, absolutely can't uh, deny the fact that he absolutely deserves uh, a major international. I mean, yes, it, would have been a, it would have been a travesty if, if mm. he had ended his 
his career without yeah. winning anything for Argentina. Even in this competition, I mean, uh, he could have lost. I mean, especially especially the thought going to my mind when he when he failed yeah. to put that ball past Ederson uh, when when in the 88th minute or something when Rodrigo de Paul, who I think had a great game, uh, yeah. found Messi with that pass. The thought going to my mind was, oh God, don't tell me this is happening again. <laughs> okay, so even otherwise, look at his performance. Look at the way he's dragged Argentina into the final. I mean, mm. four goals, five assists, uh, which means nine. He had a contribution in nine of the team's 12 goals. Yeah. He scored from two kicks. It was like, I cannot think of another individual influencing a team mm. in the way Messi did to this Argentina team, not for the first time. Mm. Since uh, Maradona's Argentina in 86 and 90. Absolutely. And I was just going through the stats, uh, I mean, comparing Messi's contributions in uh, mm-hmm. in the Copa America to the best performers of uh, Euro 2020. And I mean, you see some of the attacking statistics, as you said, most goals, most assists. Uh, I mean, Messi did that at Copa. Uh, I mean, he also had the most free kick goals, most true balls, most uh, chances created. Uh, most passes made in the final third. He had the most uh, number of shots and the most number of uh, shots on target. All the most that you mentioned are are dominated by one man. Why? If you go to the go to the Euro, you will see a whole lot of people, right? Yeah, you'll see seven eight players in those figures. So ah. it's quite. It just shows the kind of, as you said, the kind of influence Messi has in this team. Uh, and I mean, of course, next year's World Cup, I think, will probably be his. Uh, last World Cup because he'll be around 40 by the time the next World Cup comes up in uh, 2026. So, uh, probably this will be his last chance. And the way Argentina have played, I mean, they haven't really played very beautifully. Uh, We've seen them, uh, I mean, barring that 4-0 win, uh, I think 4-1 win over uh, Mm. Bolivia, uh, they didn't really dominate games. Uh, uh, They, of course, won that... uh, I mean, uh, quarterfinal against uh, Ecuador with a, with another three-goal margin. But uh, again, they drew two games, couldn't beat Chile, didn't beat uh, Colombia in the semis and needed a penalty shootout. Uh, but again, I mean, in the final, uh, they got over the line again. They just got just about got things done. And this is a team that hasn't really been playing well. I mean... In yeah, the, the World Cup qualifiers uh, yeah. campaign is in a bit of a shambles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're lucky that the other teams haven't been doing well either in South America. But I mean, they haven't done well. They they, they haven't lost, of course, but they've drawn three of their six games. And I mean, they're yet to play Brazil. Uh, so, I mean, you are expected to win most of these games. And the ones they have won, two of them are with one goal margins. And thing is, uh, we didn't expect them to win against Brazil as well. They were... I think most people would have... Uh, Definitely not in Brazil, yes. Yeah, categorize them as underdogs going into the final. But I think what really uh, would really encourage uh, Argentina and their coach Lionel Scaloni, I think, is the fact that so many of their players stepped up in crucial times. Uh, they have got a fantastic goalkeeper now. That was the position that... Yeah, yeah. Uns- uh, unsettled in the last few years, especially. And, and completely yeah. by chance, too, because had Armani not had COVID, the, yeah. he would have been the number one goalkeeper. So, yeah. yes. So, I mean, that position now looks settled uh, because also because Martinez has been playing well for his club at Villa. So, uh, and you look at their defense, Christian Romero and Gonzalo Montiel were 
really impressive. I think that final. had a standout. Oh, yeah. brilliant! I mean, brilliant game, and uh, I mean, we saw quite, I think around over forty tackles uh, from both sides uh, in total, uh, and I mean, Montiel had a bloodied ankle towards the end of the game, and he still carried on, and uh, he made some really good challenges, some really important. Uh, interventions so i think uh, they do look like a side that can uh, you know react well uh, to their opposition they can read the game well uh, and of course they've got some very good well experienced players like messi uh, di maria uh, lotaro martinez player, you know mm. players who have, who have been doing well with their clubs uh, also uh, and Rodrigo De Paul, I mean, what a fantastic game! Yeah, he's now gone to Atletico Madrid. I mean, I think I think it's it's one player that should be followed over the next season and a half. Uh, Absolutely, to see how he deals with the pressures of playing in Europe. Absolutely, and he'll be crucial. I mean, if if he continues playing like that with Atletico, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like by the time the next uh, World Cup comes, I think he'll be extremely key to their chances. Uh, and I mean, Messi in particular. Uh, I mean, he's a free agent right now, so uh, his, his own personal. <laughs> so is Donnarumma, but I don't <laughs> think they'll remain free for very yeah. long. Yeah, no, Donnarumma. <laughs> I think there were reports that this uh, announcement will be coming soon from PSG. But uh, Messi, we haven't really seen a lot of uh, headway, really, have we? Ah, uh, no, we haven't. We haven't. But uh, everybody, for all reports coming out of Barcelona, say that you know He'll things say. will be all right. Mm. Frankly, right now, unless there's a coup that we don't know anything about, and it, unless there's a bloodless coup, I, I think I think Messi, you know, all that sense of unease that was prevalent through most of the past two seasons mm. has not, you know, has gone away now. And uh, with the elections happening and him winning for Argentina uh, again, being the highest scorer in La Liga, uh, you know, he's possibly in a calmer, better frame of mind now. So the the desire to leave Barcelona may not be that intense mm. as we speak, give, based on the indications that we see. So mm. unless there's something that we are we're completely blindsided by, uh, I think he's going to stay. How and the nitty gritty of the finances, etc., will be worked out in the due course of time. I think we still have time. But uh, yeah, I mean, officially he is a free agent. There's no getting around that. Mm. There really is no getting around that. Absolutely. But what I liked about this Argentina team in the Copa at least was, you know, they managed to create a situation mm-hmm. where Messi can somewhat reproduce the role that he has at Barcelona at times. You know, I, I like the way Loselso and De Paul, you know, mm-hmm. sacrifice their attacking instincts and are always there to support Messi. What is happening? Because it, at least in the 2015 and 2016 Copa, I remember. Is that Messi would go past one player, he'd go past the second player, but the third player would get him down. And there was no, he didn't find those angles to pass at that point in time. That hasn't happened very often in this Argentina team. So credit to Scaloni for being able to find a way to, to get Messi to play to his potential. I mean, those five assists and four goals have happened because the team around him is doing well. Something that obviously you saw firsthand wasn't happening in Russia, where they where they look completely scattered. Not much was. Mm-hmm. happening according to plan and everybody looked flustered everybody looked agitated and very little was happening by way of cohesive football absolutely i mean this team definitely looks much more organized uh, compared to the one we saw uh, in 2018 in russia uh, i think uh, argentina probably uh, we won't really say that they are the favorite favorites but 
not even among the favorites for next year's World Cup. But I think uh, this is a very interesting team, and uh, I mean, uh, going by what we saw at the Euros this year and uh, the Copa America, I think we are in for a very interesting World Cup next year. Uh, it will obviously, as I said, it will obviously be probably I think uh, the last World Cup for Messi. I don't see him playing. Uh, uh, in 2026 and also I think uh, almost certainly for his Portuguese rival Ronaldo uh, mm. and mm. Italy are looking very strong England looks strong uh, Spain have had a revival uh, Argentina yes. as we just discussed have uh, finally got the monkey off their back uh, mm. and Brazil despite their loss in the Copa final have uh, looked very strong under their coach Tite they have had a very oh, good yeah, yeah. start to the I think the smartest thing Brazil did after the 2018 World Cup was not change coaches. Absolutely. Un- yeah. Un- unusual Brazil, your team that goes out in the quarterfinals, the first thing you do is change coaches. Unusual for Brazil. They kept the fate in Chiche. And, and yeah, they. this is a solid Brazil team. I mean, this one match, 1-0 one defeat, whatever, means really nothing in the in the progress that Brazil have made uh, under Chiche uh, before 2018 and even after 2018. Absolutely, absolutely. So they are, uh, I think, a team that will have to keep an eye out for. They have already had a very strong start to the qualifying campaign, as I said. Yes. And yes. I think they'll qualify very easily with lots of games to spare. Uh, and I think uh, by the time the World Cup starts, uh, they will probably be even better than they are now. So, I mean, of course, as we said, uh, quite a few things that we learned from these uh, Euros and uh, Copa America. Uh, been uh, I mean, an absolute delight for these tournaments. Gave all us our... an extra month of football. Absolutely. So, I mean, thank you to all our listeners for uh, sticking with us uh, for this past month. Uh, let's again meet uh, next week uh, with another topic to discuss. See you next time then. This was an episode of Kicks for Free. Do like and follow us on at HTSmartcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And write to us at podcast at the rate hindustantimes.com. You can also follow us on our Twitter handles at DhimanHT and at Bhargav Sarma. You can listen to more podcasts by logging into hdsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HD Smartcast